0: What's going on everyone? Welcome back to the podcast and thank you as always for stopping in. So uh, yeah, if you're new here, uh, I really don't want to leave anyone behind and I think uh, at the start of a new year, I know we're a couple weeks in at this point, but I really want to make sure that people are uh, staying up to date with everything that they need to know and if you're new here, it, it really can be uh, overwhelming sometimes to just jump in and I want to make sure That uh, anyone and everyone that is really looking to get their finances in order is, uh, you know, kind of at ground speed. I I don't want to really just kind of, you know, hit the ground running all the time. So I really want to take a step back and take a look at some different ways uh, to really get ourselves in that uh, on that path of financial freedom. So what really prompted this is um well one i guess we're about 140 some episodes in at this point and i just really wanted to uh, address that there are some new people some don't really have a clue as to some of the different terms we're talking about and i really wanted to kind of address that so i did get a question over the weekend um you know hey where do i start how do i even get involved in this where do i even look um you know like Everything I was kind of throwing out there was kind of Greek uh, to the person I was speaking with. So I really wanted to put it in your head that, you know, there's there's no necessary uh, necessary right way to get going. Um, You know, it depends really on who you talk to, really where you are in your journey. Uh, You know, if you were to talk to Dave Ramsey, he's going to say, oh, pay off your debt, stupid. What are you doing? It's just dumb to have interest, you know. That's his lane. He does not want anyone to have debt. He wants you to, you know, pay off of those credit cards, do the little baby steps that he talks about, go forward. Uh, you know, eventually get the baby step six. You're paying off your house, and then you invest. Now, there's going to be other people. You look at uh, someone like Grant Cardone. He's going to be like, you know, the only way to do it is real estate. Forget the stock market. Real estate's the way. Um, you know, but that's a, a lot more involved. In some ways, to manage all these different properties and have the cash up front, so um, you know you might not be able to buy a one million dollar investment commercial property the way that he's going to tell you. You know, there's there's other people that are going to say, hey, rent out or sublease uh, rental properties and and make money that way. Um, I'm kind of on board with all these different things. I'm I'm more fiscally conservative in nature, so. I am looking to save all my money and put it to work for me. Now, I do spend, we do go on vacations, things like that. I still uh, you know don't want to you know neglect the moment to just look thirty years ahead. But at the same time, I really want to build that path to financial freedom. Now, one of the big themes that I was talking about is we work or we give our time for money right? we uh, we look at money as I spend an hour here, I get paid x amount. I really wanted to stress the fact that, you know that's great, but you want to get to the point where you're giving your money to gain back your time. So we're going from uh, time for money, you know, your hourly salary, whatever pay that you're getting to now flip the tables on that and look for how do I get back my time by investing all the money that I am getting? Uh, in that way of that uh, that job compensation. So that was one of the things I was really looking to stress in this, uh, this given uh, scenario. So where do we start? And again, that really depends on your income, your needs, when you're gonna need this money, what you're saving for, how much you're gonna need to retire, uh, this, that, the other. So if you have an end goal in mind, You kind of just do the math backwards. You know, if I need three million dollars to retire, how am I going to get there? What do I need to invest monthly, and really just break it back over um, the amount of time that you've got until you're at that point? So, um, really, where do we start? Uh, For me, I'll I'll recap what I've done. You know, in my late twenties, well, I guess I can go back earlier than that. My early twenties started a company, so a lot of my money went to uh, paying off student loans buying a house building a company reinvesting in myself in order to get to the point where I could then spend some money on um, you know retirement really saving kind of planning that way and I kind of got in the path of looking to build that company buy more equipment now it just kind of became my thing um, so that worked. But then I got to the point where I'm like, I don't really need any more equipment. I can do with what I got and make little upgrades here and there. So I started building this savings account. And I was like, all right, well, this is kind of silly. You know, the, the savings account didn't do anything for me. So I need to start finding a way to turn this savings into some earnings that I don't have to touch. So uh, my move was to invest in some dividend stocks. I was kind of raised on the idea that dividends were kind of king. And uh, yeah, growth was great too. But uh, if you had a sustainable path, uh, you know, think Warren Buffett—he buys undervalued companies. Uh, undervalued meaning, what's the fair market value of this company? If it's fifty dollars a share, is what it should be at right now, and I can buy it for thirty-five, and they have a path to you know a financial future. They're still growing. The the company is not lacking in uh, any major, real, uh, tangible ways. That would be a good buy to Warren Buffett. You're getting a dividend. You have that, you know, that growth. You're also buying an underpriced asset, right? So if you could buy, uh, you know, say uh, a house that should be selling for four hundred thousand, but hey, I found it. Uh, you know, it needs a little bit of work, but I can buy it for two hundred thousand. That's kind of the Warren Buffett way of investing. You're looking to buy those properties that, um, well, maybe in the way of his stocks, they don't really necessarily need work. But he's just buying them at that right price point to where uh, for some reason they've been beat down and ultimately he sees a bright future in these companies so he's done it with uh, you know food products coca-cola apple mcdonald's uh, bank of america you know the list goes on his holdings are forever long but uh, you know he's looking to buy oil stocks when Uh, no one else really thinks that oil is the future. You know, the renewables were the future. So, you know, he comes in and and buys oil when it's cheap because that's the way that he looks at his financial future is buying value when it makes sense. Now, that's not for everyone. That is uh, definitely his lane. He's very successful at it, but that doesn't mean that's what you have to do. So um, to this person, I said, you know, uh, maybe an ETF is going to be the best way for you to get started into your investing. So, you know, you this person had a, a high uh, pay, high salary. They had more money than they needed, but it was all in savings. So, I mean, I can relate to that from my path and where I was. I had enough saved where it just needed to do something for me. So I went and started buying single stocks. Uh, I bought Caterpillar. Right. That was my first buy. And, um, you know, if I had to do it again, I don't know that I would go that path. It worked out well for me. But at the same time, uh, if that one stock would have gone the opposite way and I would have been upside down on it and it would have been losing money, I would have been a little bit uh, more turned off to the market, the idea of buying stocks and uh, really what they're going to do. So buying an ETF or an exchange traded fund is basically a grouping of a broader uh, market, a more amount of companies, all packaged into one, um, you know, simple stock price or uh, share price and you're buying with your, you know, your $100 or your $200 per share, you're buying 500 companies that ultimately uh, represent the market. So just for example, Uh, VOO. We look at Vanguard a lot. Uh, Vanguard has this fund called VOO. You type it into, uh, I mean, I use E-Trade if you need to get started. The link is in the description. But uh, when I'm looking at uh, VOO, it's $363.71 per share. Now, when you are buying VOO, you're getting a basket of stocks, think of it like an Easter basket. You got a bunch of different stuff in there and you're buying all of that by simply buying one name. So um, like the top 10 stocks account for 24% of the uh, holdings that are in this particular basket or this ETF. So you've got uh, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett's company, United um, UnitedHealth, uh, Google, You've got Johnson & Johnson, Exxon Mobil, JP Morgan, right? So you've got a good mix of different stocks there. It's very tech heavy in the names of Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, uh, but you also do have some oil, some uh, healthcare, or some banking stocks that are mixed into the picture. So you get diversity by buying this whole index. And you know if the companies aren't in the uh, that top 500 S&P um, index anymore, this fund isn't buying them, so if they, uh, you know, they go bankrupt or they they get bumped out of the S and P 500, they are not in this fund. Uh, so that is definitely nice that it is not um, what's called actively managed by someone, but the S and P represents these 500 different names. So simply by buying this, you are exposed to a bunch of different stocks. And I would say for me, if I had to relive this again, I, would, I probably would have put about my, my first $10,000, maybe more into something like VOO to where you can kind of you know, dip your toe in the market, really see what it's about. And you're getting uh, about 11% return on average per year simply by buying this one basket of stocks. Uh, so when I'm looking at the performance of VOO, Right over the past 10 years, if you would have invested $10,000 back in, uh, you know, 2013 at this point, you would have been at uh, 32533 So it would have uh, 3x in that span of 10 years. Yes, it was a great 10 years. But uh, overall, you're going to see that uh, about 11% return, now, last year was rough. You know, we did go down. Uh, the one-year chart on this looks like it's down eighteen percent in the past year. So, some people would say that is going to be a uh, a buying signal to some end, where you can average in at this point and uh, you know slowly buy over time. You know, if you had ten thousand dollars to invest, maybe do twenty five hundred in January, twenty five hundred March, June. Uh, maybe September, something like that, to where you're spreading out your money. You're slowly buying in more consecutive buys rather than spending $10,000 today. And then it drops 10%. And again, you know, you could get scared out of the market. So I don't want to see anyone get scared. I want to see people uh, have a path and have a plan for, you know, it's going down. So now the next time I invest $2,500, I'm getting more shares for the same amount of money. And you know that over time, it's an average of about that 10 to 11% in returns. So that's definitely a good way to get going for me. Now, like I said, other people are going to tell you different things. You know, um, Warren Buffett's going to tell you to buy these high dividend stocks or stocks that are undervalued. You got other people that are going to tell you to get into growth or options or uh, all these different things, real estate, commercial properties but it's really going to be a thing of what works for you. And uh, you know, over time, you're gonna build up more cash, which is gonna pay more in dividends. You're gonna get these dividends back into either into your account uh, in the way of cash, or you can do what is called a drip program, the dividend reinvestment program, which basically every time you get paid a dividend, it just buys more of the same stock. So it's a compounding wheel that uh, you're buying more shares when you get a dividend, which buys more dividends, which buys more shares. And ultimately, it's just a snowball effect of, you know, you push a snowball down a hill, eventually it just gets larger and larger and you get closer to that goal of financial freedom. So I guess really this conversation is is really about um, where do you really want to start? And, uh, you know, there's there's all different ways to do it. Um, This is probably what I would have done if I were to relive it, would be buying an ETF, a broad market ETF, either uh, VTI, VOO, SPY, that uh, really encompasses all of the market or at least a good chunk of it into one fund that will give you diversity, that uh, will allow you to dip your toe into really what the stock market offers, let you learn it, and then slowly, if you want to go into more single stock exposure, you can do that. If you ever want to get into the idea of trading, you, you know, to have a, a day trading account, you really need about $25,000 in that account, or your account can get flagged as a pattern day trader and you don't have the funds necessary to really go ahead and do that. So it really is a starting point that I see that would fit most people. So whether you have uh, another $10 a month or another $1,000 a month, this would be a good way to get started and ultimately really build to that path of financial freedom. And as I said, the more you uh, get involved in the market, the more you can uh, really spend a little bit more time, either listen here or listen to uh, some different uh, financial radio or news, um, you know, and learn all that you can about individual stocks and how to value them and really build a plan to build your portfolio with these individual names. Uh, I think that's probably a better way to go uh, going forward. You know, for me, I, I do like the single stock exposure because if I like, uh, you know, robotics or AI or anything right now, and I think that's the next thing for the next five years, you can really target those companies and have a higher exposure to these individual industries that might make a little bit more sense for you, or if you know them a little bit more, it might uh, might serve you a little bit better. And so. On that path, that's what I got there. I just wanted to, to really rewind and make sure that everyone was on the same page and that uh, we weren't leaving anyone behind when I'm talking some of these different terms, ETFs and funds and you know, all, all the jargon that we use in the financial industry. So with that being said, I'm gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back, we're gonna talk some news, we're gonna talk investing challenge, uh, where we are buying uh, a single stock based on the poll results on our Let It Grow investing page on Facebook. We're buying $200 worth every Monday. That goes into a Webull portfolio. Uh, you can buy fractional shares. Fractional shares means if, uh, you know, I mean, I'll use Tesla as example of when it was $1,000, you can buy $100 at a time versus some uh, brokerages uh, like E-Trade, you can only buy full shares at a given point in time. So you get a little bit more flexibility from buying on Webull. Uh, On E-Trade, you can buy some different ETFs automated to where you say, hey, I want to buy $100 a week and it will do that, but uh, it can't be single stocks. I think it has to be uh, on their approved list of uh, fractional share purchases. So uh, all different options. I do have links in the description if you need to get going and uh, you kind of get a kickback or some different credits for doing that and using my link. So feel free to do that. But uh, with that being said, I'll be uh, right back. All right, welcome back to the podcast. And uh, I did say that I wanted to cover some news, so we're going to get right into that right now. We did see a nice run up on Friday uh, for the NASDAQ moving up about 2.6% and the S&P 500 moving up about 1.89%. So definitely some nice gains there. We did have a a weaker than uh, we'd like to see performance on Wednesday and Thursday. So I think we just kind of bounced off of some of that uh, that news there. We did bounce off on the technicals from that uh, that 200-day moving average, trying to break through that 50-day on these charts, and ultimately kind of failing and going back down. That uh, sent us down uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and ultimately we're trying to get back up to that break-even point on that 50-day. And if that 200-day moving average of these funds does get above, that is going to be a b- very bullish sign in my uh, opinion. So we're trying to see uh, when that does happen and when we can't get into some uh, some new kind of positivity. There is some negative news out there. But uh, overall, I think if we do see some positive news on that front, it will be a sign that the market is uh, kind of moving up higher. Maybe the some of the individual companies aren't doing that great, but the market is uh, oversold and we're trying to move back up. But uh, yeah, Google, they are planning to cut around 12,000 jobs or 6% of their global workforce. And it is going to be impacting teams across the company, including recruiting and some corporate functions, as well as engineering and products teams. So this is the largest ever round of layoffs for Google. We've got uh, JP JP Morgan CEO, Jamie Dimon, saying about uh, work from home that it's not uh, or doesn't work for young kids. Or spontaneity or management. So uh, a lot of what they're doing, they really want to get people back into the office, is really what I took from that. Uh, the Feds, uh, Williams said that uh, the end of China lockdowns could tick global inflation higher. Obviously, if they're going back out and they want to spend some of their money and really go back to a normal way of life, that uh, that could ultimately raise inflation as there are more demand for more products that are out there. Uh, and Kathy Wood. Uh, Ark uh, CEO is saying that she is as bullish on Tesla as she's ever been, sees the stock up fivefold in five years, which would uh, certainly be nice for me. I would uh, welcome that with open arms. So hopefully she is correct on that. I think she had called for Tesla to go to about 4,000 at some point. I don't know her current price target on it, but uh, she has been a Tesla bull for a long time and manages a uh, Many different funds and ETFs that uh, we're actually going to be looking at one of them this week. And uh, crypto lender Genesis just filed for bankruptcy. But uh, overall, the crypto market has been holding up well since a lot of this FTX news. And then them recovering about $5 billion worth of uh, customer assets as well. Uh, Nintendo, they're going to be boosting the switch output next fiscal year to meet demand. So definitely nice for Nintendo. Nintendo. Um, you know, that, uh, portable gaming console is definitely one that, uh, the kids had on the, the Christmas list this year. And, uh, you know, one that is definitely gaining some traction worldwide. Uh, so Netflix, they just said they're not anti-sports, but it's pro profits and it has, hasn't been able to do, uh, sports profitably yet. So that is one, uh, thing that they are trying to figure out over there. And they also just said that their password crackdown won't be popular with members. the uh, the churn will increase as we roll out paid sharing but paid sharing will boost membership long term. So it will be a case where you can still share your password but uh, if it's at another IP address or however they set it up, you are going to be paying to use that password. So uh, a bunch of different things going on in that news and uh, yeah I guess that brings us right up to the investing challenge. so week four. We had five names. We've been doing five names for about a year. I might change it up a time or two this year, but uh, this is what I had for week four of our Let It Grow Investing Challenge. You can vote over there on the Let It Grow Investing page on Facebook. And uh, yeah, we had this poll up. I believe they're only two day polls on Facebook right now. So make sure when you see it, you get your votes in. But uh, yeah, the first one was AMD, Advanced Micro Devices. Number two, was Tesla, ticker is TSLA, number three. We had Airbnb, ticker is A B N B, number four had won this time last year, and uh, that name was Ford Motors, and that one did not get the nod this week. And the one that uh, did get the nod is the last one on the list, and that ticker is MSFT for Microsoft. I love that pick guys. They had great margins. They are in a lot of the right spots. They are uh, firing on all cylinders. Uh, like I said, the margins were good. The The PE might be a little bit high and that's a price to earnings multiple. It's a way that we value different companies to really know where they are in their cycle, how uh, they're doing. If the, the price is getting too high compared to what the earnings are, that's what the PE is going to show you. So Once we get uh, that knowledge, I can uh, give you a little bit better idea as to what we're seeing over there on Microsoft. Uh, Currently, it's at a 24.99. So probably right around that historical average for a company like Microsoft. And uh, a lot of times you're looking for, uh, you know, in the teens, maybe the high teens is sometimes a good point to buy some of these names that uh, aren't really those high flyers, the high growth companies, you're gonna see much higher PEs on those. The tried and true companies tend to trade uh, a good bit lower and um, they kind of churn at that rate going forward. And they kind of you know, shrink that PE over time as they're a little bit more predictable and the growth really is going to slow on some of these companies. But uh, a company like Microsoft, Amazon, Google, they are still in growth mode. They are still looking to buy more things. Uh, that being said, Microsoft is looking to partner with open AI, uh, the company that owns chat GPT, and they are looking to buy about $10 billion worth or 49% of that company. Uh, so that is definitely bullish for me and, uh, especially the AI kind of revolution. That is definitely a key player right now. I did create account an account on chat GPT. I went on there and said, Hey, um, build me a meal plan. Hey, build me this. And I mean, it more or less spit out exactly what I should be looking to do for every criteria that I gave it pretty much instantly. It's kind of like having a genius in your pocket. Right now it is free. Uh, I think if Microsoft gets involved and once to gain some more traction, uh, I mean, it's not lacking for traction. It started in November and I believe it is the quickest one to build multi-million users in in a very short uh, eight-week time frame. So uh, yeah, that one is definitely roaring higher right now. And I believe that a lot of people are really catching on to what AI is now that they are seeing OpenAI and a lot of these other AI platforms. And then once a company like Microsoft gets involved, people really take notice. So that uh, kind of brings me up to week five. So uh, as I said, we're buying Microsoft. Tomorrow, $200 worth in the Let It Grow Investing uh, investing Challenge for 2023. That is a Webull portfolio. I'm buying uh, $200 worth. Microsoft is currently trading at $240. So we are able to invest only uh, a fractional amount of uh, of a share in this case. Um, that's uh, Webull. And i uh, link in the description on that one. But uh, I did say last week, that I'm really getting bullish on a lot of these AI stocks because a lot more people are noticing them. And I did a lot of digging. So if you guys could uh, you know, go ahead and give me a like, subscribe and share. And uh, if you're really finding good value in the podcast, go over there to anchor.fm and you can contribute to the podcast for as little as 99 cents a month. I did a lot of homework on this one. And there's a lot of them that I just can't recommend. It's a... Man, I, I love a lot of these companies too. It makes it really difficult. So I was looking at uh, a bunch of different companies, no particular order. This is not a nod to any of them, just companies that came across my radar. Uh, I saw Lemonade, the insurance AI company. I saw Intuitive Surgical, the uh, robotic surgical company, Snowflake, UiPath, Intel. Um, you know, the list kind of went on. You know, there's Trimble, there's a, a ton of other companies that I saw right? There's a very few of them are profitable. A lot of them have large negative net margins, meaning they're not making money yet. Um, So they do have growing revenue. We are seeing a lot of those trends, but a lot of them just for the the sake of the podcast, I can't come out and say, hey, buy these non-profitable companies because I think they're going to do really well. Um, I know that might be someone's lane. It's really hard to recommend them Uh, going forward, because I don't know if they're going to stand the test of time. I don't know if they're going to get bought out or they're not going to have enough money to get through this uh, possible recessionary period that we are coming into. So instead of buying these, uh, you know, shoot for the stars type companies, I came up with a couple different ones. Um, This is not the list, but I was looking at uh, some of the main players that we always look at. I was looking at Google. I was looking at Meta. Looking at uh, Microsoft, which we just added, IBM, uh, Intel, a lot of different companies that do a lot of different things great. But, uh, you know, it gets really hard to pick some stocks when I had Google in week three. We had Microsoft in week four. We had Nvidia in week three, which are all great companies, right? So, what did we end up going with this week? Well, I guess the first one here. Is not an AI company at all. It actually comes from this time last year. We were buying this one for the investing challenge. So I included that one, and that is Visa. So Visa is going to be stock one for week five. And there's a lot of different things that I love about Visa. They are going to be making money in a recession. They're going to be making money when things are great and when things are just, you know, not really panning out the way that we want. We've got uh, a rising U.S. debt currently just broke thirty-one trillion dollars, which is uh, a all-time high. Visa is going to be there for that; they are going to be funding and getting that interest on the back end. And I think that uh, with falling savings rates, people are going to be swiping these visas and uh, MasterCards left and right to get what they want because that is what we are accustomed to. Um, and again, this is a, a mindset of. You know, give your uh, your time for money. and that's what we're doing when we pretty much are decide to to pay this into interest rates that are through the roof on credit cards. But I uh, wanted to point that out. Um, so now Visa currently trading at a PE of a thirty two, we got a small dividend, 08 percent, nothing to write home about. But um, the price analysis from Trefis is uh, about a thirteen percent upside right here. 36% of the business is made up of transaction fees. 34% of the business made up on assessment fees. International fees of 25%, service fees of 5%. So they got a couple different ways that they are making money uh, in the way of their business. It is rated a buy from how many different analysts here? 41. We've got uh, upside from Reuters, about 15%. We've got forecasted growth of 8.8% in 23 in 24. Uh, So definitely some numbers that I like there. The most important one here to me, the net margin, 49%. That is massive, absolutely massive on Visa. They are trading at an 11% discount to their price to sales, 14% discount to their trailing PE, and uh, a 13% discount to their forward PE. And that is one of those ways that we are going to tell where they are in their cycle and uh, maybe not the intrinsic value, but where they typically trade. So we are at a discount. Uh, The fact that uh, I think in a recessionary environment, people are still going to be using these. I don't think there's going to be any massive slowdown there. People are going to still need to buy overpriced eggs. That's just how it goes. And uh, if they're swiping those cards and can't pay it, those interest fees rack up, and ultimately Visa is a winner here. So their forward peg ratio, we look at this. Uh, very frequent, frequently, the S&P 500 index average is a two. Below that is considered cheaper. So their forward peg ratio is a 1.8. And uh, so you're you're getting a good price for the amount of growth that uh, comes along with Visa. So I do like this one, right? We bought it last year. It's uh, It's been doing well for us. And I think that should continue. Now, going forward, this is where it got a little bit tricky for me. I wanted these AI stocks for you guys. I wanted the autonomous, the robotics, um, and one company that does that or one ETF that does that, that caught my eye, I know, I know, ARK Invest. I'm looking at Ark Q. A R K Q. Now, this one is a way to buy all these different stocks that are in the autonomous realm, the robotics, AI, all in one basket of stocks. So, um, Yes, ARC has uh, had some problems here in the past 24 months, I'll call it. But uh, through the start of the pandemic, these things took off. They kind of traded sideways for a while. And ultimately, they kind of came back down to earth. But now when I'm looking at the performance, they did lose 46% last year. Um, that's painful. But uh, is it time to buy these, Right. Uh, when I'm looking at the performance over the past 10 years, if you would have invested $10,000 in uh, 2013, currently it would be worth $22,385. So it's still doubled in that 10 years. Yes, there's some ETFs that I talked about earlier that tripled, but uh, this one did get up to a high of probably $45,000, 47000 looking at this chart. Kind of hard to tell in that 10 year period. And it is a growth. Fund, uh, so you're going to be getting some uh, some growth stocks. You're going to be getting a lot of these high flyers, but it is actively managed by a fund that is going to be buying and selling these in order for you to hold this basket of companies that should have a lot of growth ahead of them. And as I said, I don't know all these robotics companies. I don't know all the AI companies, but they do. That's what they do. They have managers that manage these, so I don't have to look at. All the nuances from all these small companies on a given day. Uh, so they are a mixture of companies. You know, you got 14% of giant companies, giant market cap companies. Uh, you know, think Amazon, Google, companies like that. 23% in large companies, 34% of medium sized companies. So you're getting uh, a good mixture there. You got 9% small cap and 19 and a quarter percent micro cap. Those are going to be those really high flyers. If they pick the right ones, those are going to be your 10X companies. That have that kind of room to grow really quick. Uh, so, a bunch of different companies. I don't know. Obviously, some of them I do, but the top 10 holdings account for 61% of this fund. We've got a uh, company, Trimble Inc., Kratos uh, Defense and Security, or Kratos. We've got Tesla, Iridium Communication, uh, Communications. I can't talk. We've got UiPath, Deer. We've got Teradyne, AeroVironment, Komatsu, Caterpillar. Now the deer and caterpillar might surprise you, but when you think of agriculture and farming and robotics, if we can send a tractor out to uh, you know harvest a field and we don't have to have as much human interaction, uh, ultimately I think that's going to make uh, the process of farming a lot cheaper and probably a lot more efficient. So those companies are definitely on this list. So you are getting some companies that do pay dividends. You are getting some of those companies that are gonna be high flyers and you don't have to sit there and watch it every day. So number two is ARKQ for those reasons. Um, Again, I I think that the way of robotics is the future, and uh, whether you like it or not, uh, I mean, it's gonna probably hurt a lot of different jobs that are out there, but uh, if we're invested in it, hopefully we make enough on that side in order to uh, really stay afloat through whatever might come going forward. But uh, yeah, number three, Uh, Another ETF. This is kind of a mixture of ETFs and single stock exposure this week. This one is going to be that NASDAQ fund we always talk about. That ticker is QQQ. And I did buy it in week two, but uh, I did want to throw it in here this week as I think that uh, the NASDAQ does stand to get a nice bump up after having a terrible 2022. And uh, yeah, there are a lot of giant companies in here. 60% of this fund is going to be made up of those uh, those mega cap companies. 33% in large, 7% in medium. No small caps, no micro caps. Uh, pretty much all exposure is in the US. And we've got uh, the top 10 here, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, NVIDIA, Tesla, Meta, Pepsi, and Broadcom. So if you like a mixture of those large cap companies that are really in that tech space, um, i'm going to say that qqq might be a solid bet for you as well now number four this one kind of leans into where we are going in the automotive world and that company is chargepoint uh ticker here is chpt and they are going to be that uh, that leader in the charging space outside of tesla and uh, i think that they are going to have rapid growth going forward now, this one's a little, uh, little tricky too. This one has been uh, a little rough on me, but I do think that going forward, some of their numbers just make a lot of sense to me here and uh, some of their growth rates. That's really what I'm looking at when I'm looking at these growth companies and how they can weather the storm. Again, they're in the right spot at the right time. We've got a uh, price target from, how many different analysts here? 20. Uh, about 95% of upside on this one. So I do like that. I think the analysts are in agreement that this one should be moving up. We've got uh, annual revenue growth for 23, 99% higher. For 24, 204% higher. So we're definitely getting that growth when we are in this company. And uh, as of October, it grew 93% year over year uh, for the past year. Now, the margins are negative. We are not making money yet. That is a uh, a definite factor when you're looking at growth companies. But uh, I do think that with the way that the government's looking at this one, they want to fund these uh, EVs. They want to have more chargers. Everyone that I know that's buying an EV is looking to get one of these chargers installed in their homes. Uh, unless you have a Tesla, then you do have an option of getting a Tesla charger. Or a charge point, you would simply run an adapter from a charge point to a Tesla, uh, and you can charge pretty much anything with a charge point charger. Um, So those are definite uh, good things for that charge point network is that it works with pretty much everything where Tesla is pretty much specific right now. But uh, yeah, what else we got? We've got... um, uh, price to sales is a 10, that is high, but it is off their five-year average of a 17.8. So it has come down in price. It has uh, definitely been corrected with some of the uh, the other broader market sell-off. And uh, I do think that it is one that has a lot of growth, has the government on its side, has kind of the world on its side as far as EV goes. And uh, it is one of the top players in that space. So ChargePoint is number four, And then going forward, we are looking at uh, number five being meta. Now, why meta? Well, I think a lot of things here point to the fact that meta is looking for growth, Uh, right? They talked about building the metaverse, meta being Facebook. If you're not familiar, don't keep up with the news that they changed from Facebook to meta. And they wanted to really expand into that idea of the metaverse. Well, they kind of pulled back on that. Uh, they don't want to spend as much on that as a lot of people kind of shied away from it. The stock got pum- uh, just pummeled or punished for it. And ultimately they are trading at a PE of a 13, which is way under where they normally trade. And now if they're not going to do the metaverse, maybe they start buying some of these other companies that I had on that list for today that aren't profitable yet, but uh, meta could buy them and ultimately turn them or use some of that technology to better themselves and really to turn on that growth engine. Uh, and I think we're going to see a lot more acquisitions this year from these some of these major companies uh, as other companies are really struggling or going to be, uh, you know, maybe possibly filing for bankruptcy or they don't have any other way out. Uh, I think we're going to see some of this big money kind of come in and buy them up. And don't hold me to that, but I think that Meta could be in that category of uh, companies really looking to grow by acquisition. So for that reason, I gave them the nod. The, uh, the PE is a little bit too cheap to ignore, if you uh, If you ask me. It is a buy rating. We do have about uh, 13% of upside from 50 different analysts here. Um, we've got forecasted growth for 23, low single digits, 2.8%. Uh, we've got net margins, 24%. We've got uh, price to sales as a 2.6% their five-year average is a seven. So it's a 63% discount there. Trailing PE, as I said, is a 13. Five-year average is a half. 49% discount. Forward PE, 18.7. Five-year average, 22.7, another 18% discount. So a lot of different signs point to the fact that it is trading too cheap, that PE is too cheap to ignore. The, uh, the advertising business has slowed. It does make up about 89% of their, uh, their revenue here, or 89% of the stock price, according to uh, Trefis. And Trefis has about a 27% upside, according to their analysis here. So uh, for those reasons, they're a little bit uh, undervalued currently, in my mind. They have been uh, traded down on a lot of this advertising slowing. They got beat up for saying that they want to build a metaverse and spend uh, you know, multiple billions of dollars on doing so. But uh, I do think that they have the cash. They uh, are definitely a leader in that advertising space. And I think that going forward, they should really do well with the amount of cash that they have, the position they have in the market, and really being undervalued in this current environment. So they have come up, they have traded higher since uh, they bottomed out. But uh, ultimately, I do think that they have some room to continue to grow. And as I said, they they hit a bottom of $88 in November. And since then, we are now sitting at $139.37. Uh, so they moved up about, what, uh, $50 bucks in that short time frame. So we have had a, a massive run. Now, uh, I think that can continue. Uh, I think that having some of that cash on the sidelines is a major driver for growth going forward. Especially get through this high rate environment that we've been put in from the Fed. Uh, so that's the five stocks I got for you guys this week. Two of them being ETFs. So we got Visa number one. Number two is Ark Q A R K Q uh, ETF. On number three is QQQ, Invesco that uh, matches the Nasdaq uh, index. We've got number four being ChargePoint for the uh, the lithium plays or uh, EV plays rather. And then number five we've got Meta. So. Get over there to Let It Grow Investing. Get your votes in for uh, one of these five stocks. I will be buying Microsoft tomorrow. I am really happy with that pick, guys. And uh, there are a couple other ones from that list that I'll probably be adding to my personal accounts. But uh, I do like that choice for Microsoft uh, really, really highly. I I definitely like that one right now. But um, yeah, so go ahead, get over there to Let It Grow Investing. Get your votes in for this one. And uh, make sure you like, subscribe and share. I thank you guys for stopping by and I will catch you in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe and share to build a community of like minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast podcast. On Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on ETrade, Webull, crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.